What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. Another edition of the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast. We are going, I'm Dan Malin. I'm joined by the FSWA three-time NASCAR writer of the year, Matt Sells. We are going to recap Auto Club. We normally don't recap too much of the previous race. There's a lot to take away. We're going to preview this week's upcoming race at Vegas. But Matt, what did you think of first real kind of race in the new car? First time back at Auto Club in two years. It was an exciting race, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. It was that's the racing that NASCAR fans have wanted for like three years. Um, and yeah, it was it was just amazing. Everybody was driving whichever place they wanted to go on the track. Uh, they had to actually wheel the car. Like these things are tough to drive. Everybody got out of the car saying these are the hardest cars they've had to drive in the Cup Series, which is awesome. Uh, passes for the lead were happening all over the place. There was 32 mm-hmm. lead changes in that race. Um, yeah, some due to, you know, cautions and pits, but a lot of them happened under green, which was awesome to see. Um, and, man, Tyler Reddick looked like he was having himself a day. And he did it on one leg. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he uh, did too many squats in the offseason, apparently, is what he said to his team on the radio. Yeah, too many games. Uh, did not skip squat day. Um, so his his seat was kind of cutting into him and numbing his leg, I guess. Um, and then, you know, got caught up wrong place, wrong time with William Byron. But, yeah, that was that was really, really fun to watch. That was really fun to watch. And, yeah, I'm sure the old, you know, asphalted auto club had a role to play. Not quite as steeply banked turns. Probably had a role to play, but I'm going to put a lot of it on the car and the fact that these guys are having to get off throttle. Like, if you listen to, there's a clip of Austin Sindrick's uh, lap, at, you know, floating around Twitter. He's off throttle quite a bit, which you never heard the last two years from a cup car. Mm-hmm. So that's that's just fantastic. Now, a lot of talk this week has been about, you know, the tires, these new tires and everything. Um <clears throat> Given that Auto Club is probably now the surface in NASCAR that eats away the most tires, is the tire discussion a little overblown, or is there some merit? Um, I think the part of it that is not overblown is that the flat tires are causing guys to have to get towed to the garage, uh, which is not great because as soon as the tow truck touches your car, you're basically out of the race. Yeah. Um, there's some talk. I heard um, you know, some some chatter on Twitter from some guys who are in the pits all the time uh, in the Cup Series talking about how there's a part in the suspension that's basically controlling ride height, and they might remove that a little bit or change the ride height a little bit because they think it's keeping the car too low, and so when it gets a flat tire, it sits on the racing surface. Um, Bob Pockers earlier tonight, we are recording this Wednesday evening about 10.30 at night Eastern time right now, uh, Bob Pocker said that there are no changes expected for Las Vegas to the car. It's a little <clears> bit early. Um, they don't expect changes to happen until at least Atlanta, uh, which makes sense because if you're going to change the car, you got to you know you want to make sure it's you a have the parts for it, b is okay with everybody, and then you know give the driver some time uh, in the wind tunnel to get used to it. Um, sorry, the simulator, not wind tunnel, but. Uh, I don't know. I think it's tire management is part of the sport, right? It's part of every racing sport. Even if you watch F1, if you watch Indy, tire management is 
all over the place. So I don't think it's overblown. I think fixing the toe problem will will go quite a long way in, in fixing whatever qualms people have about it. Uh, now, Auto Club was scheduled to undergo a massive, uh, not just like repavement, but just restructuring to essentially be a half mile short track on the West Coast. Do you think that still happens or is that going to be next? Uh, well, heading into the race weekend, it was already postponed uh, indefinitely. I don't know how, based on the ratings that race got, based on the fact that in Jeff Gluck's Twitter poll, it was the third highest rated intermediate race in the history of his poll and he's been doing it for several years at this point mm-hmm. um it was a sellout which you know probably was the first race there in two years but that kind of action it's pretty hard to go ahead and go yeah that was a kick-ass race it was probably the best race at that track ever but we're gonna go tear it down i don't think that happens i think they keep it as a two-mile track they got to have tire wear track somewhere on the schedule at this point. Yeah, they already lost Atlanta. So. Right. So tear down Texas. Make Texas a half mile. Sure, nobody's going to care because Texas is already the. Oh, I'm sure the people in the good state of Texas will care because everything's bigger in Texas. You can't have you can't have no little itty bitty half mile track, Matt. Let me let me put it this way: they built the biggest track. They could in Texas World Speedway. It lasted about six years and then went bankrupt. The last time I went to Texas Motor Speedway, ain't nobody in Texas going to Texas Motor <laughs> Speedway to watch races right now because it sucks. So tear down that sucker and turn it into a half mile track. <laughs> and I guarantee you it'll be better than whatever the hell they race right now on that mile and a half. All right, let's turn our attention to Vegas, uh, Sin City this weekend. Vegas usually puts on a pretty good show. Um, obviously, for a lot of the guys or some of the guys, especially the Bushes and even Noah Grax and then the Xfinity series, it's, it's their home track. Um, but Vegas does have the reputation of being one of these quote unquote cookie cutter mile and a half tri ovals. Um, but what could possibly set Vegas apart is, is Vegas doesn't have like as high tire wear as auto club, but there is still a little bit of like medium tire wear here, right? Correct. Yeah. It's not nearly to the level of, Homestead or Darlington or, you know, Auto Club or previous Atlanta. Um, But there is some, you know, tire wear. Typically, we see a lot of it's hard to pass for the lead at Las Vegas because of the way the track is built. There used to be previously only really one great racing line on that track in the corners. You've seen them put Resin or PJ1 down previously to try to make a second one. I don't know if they're going to do that this week or not, but these new cars, I think Vegas is going to be a lot wider track than it normally is. I think we're going to see some pretty impressive racing here, given because um, it wasn't just the tire wear that that made Auto Club fantastic. It was that these guys could put the car anywhere. The mm-hmm. arrow isn't a problem. You don't get, you know, um, screwed up with dirty air nearly <clears throat> as much as the previous. Uh, version of the car so i think we're going to see pretty impressive racing here i do think you're going to see more cautions this is typically a a pretty caution free track i don't think that's the case this week with how much we saw spinning happening at an auto club for basically no particular reason right it wasn't like tires went down and guys lost it it was they just took a bad line in the corner and spun so um, I think we'll see some more cautions, which could shift up some dominators here. 
but in general, I think it's you're going to have to go back to, I would say, Vegas of 2014 through 2016 to really get a feel for the kind of races we're going to see this weekend. Uh, what's the schedule looking like this weekend with your content? And then I'll just mix in mine as well. So, um, obviously, you know, we're on the pod now. That'll be out Thursday morning. Track breakdown will be out Thursday afternoon. Picks-wise, uh, betting piece should be out Thursday afternoon as well. DFS rankings will be out Friday afternoon, and then they'll be updated based on practice and qualifying on Saturday afternoon for Cup Series. Um, projections will be out Saturday afternoon. Uh, after qualifying, the playbook will be out Saturday afternoon after qualifying, so maybe more towards Saturday evening. Um, and then prize picks will be out Sunday morning. And example lineups will be out about 60 to 90 minutes before lock um, to give time for you know inspection and any news that happens or um, any late... Uh, movements and, and thoughts about the race and whatnot and now's a pretty good time to announce the uh announcement here oh yeah so uh coming when you know going forward the rest of the the rest of the year uh all written content for nascar will be free that's right i said free like the turbo commercial um that means <clears throat> the, you know the podcast has always been free that'll remain free track breakdown free DFS rankings, free. Um, playbook, free. Betting piece is has been free. It'll stay free. Prize picks, free. Uh, the only things that will be paid are the projections, the lineup generator, and the example lineups. Same with Xfinity uh, and Truck Series as well. So, yeah. There you go, folks. It's all free. Go tell your friends about it since you're winning money. <laughs> and it's free. Uh, for Truck and Xfinity this week, uh, Truck Race is Friday night. Luckily, uh, I, I do have a shot of at least watching a little bit of it. Um, it is 9 p.m. Eastern time for the trucks Friday night. And I like when the trucks run Friday night. I feel like it's a great way to kick off the weekend. Um, Kyle Busch is running in the truck race. Uh, this is his home track. I think as long as he has a heartbeat he will run the truck series at Vegas in the regular season whenever he gets an opportunity. I do think he's priced down. Uh, he usually is for the first race every year, whether he's in truck or Xfinity. He's only 15 grand, which seems like a lot. Sure, seems like a lot. But if you've played the truck series or Xfinity series, when Kyle Busch has run it, you know that 15 grand might actually be a bit of a discount. Uh, in GPPs, he's probably going to be 60 to 65% owned. Cash games, he's probably going to be at least 80 to 85% owned. Um, so don't be surprised when he is in both the example lineups and he's not listed as a pivot. Um, so Kyle Busch, 15 grand, definitely get your shares. If you're doing 20 lineups, I do mention this in the truck playbook that I've started. You're going to probably want to throw him into at least 10. I'm probably going to put him in at least 12 or 13 of mine. Um, John Hunter Nemechek is another guy that you can also build around. If you remember a year ago, John Hunter Nemechek won the Vegas race, even with Kyle Busch, his boss technically, uh, coming in second. There are some theories that Kyle kind of let John Hunter uh, win the race just to get John Hunter on the right foot, on the right track, to get him his first win in the truck series for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Uh, so, and randomly enough, Todd Bodine is going to run the truck series in the 62 truck 
the ripe age of 58. The... I was going to say that truck number is almost his actual age. <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be the same equipment and, and for the same team that Stuart Friesen runs for, so it's, it's not the worst. Uh, and I do believe he's qualifying first on Friday, so that means uh, he might post a pretty slow time, just assuming that everyone after him is going to post a faster time. Uh, so that's it for the truck series. Xfinity, I haven't really looked at it too deep. Um, I am very intrigued by Noah Gragson as my favorite dominator. I think he's run uh, Vegas six times. I think his worst finish is sixth. He's never won here, though. If this is his home track, he's going to be one of my favorite dominators. Um, Ryan Truex is a guy I was hoping would be underpriced, but DraftKings did their research. He's going to be running Joe Gibbs racing equipment. He'll be in the 18 car, I believe, and he's only 8,500. So you can still get Joe Gibbs equipment for a mid range price tag. Uh, quick preview of Xfinity. Uh, so the playbook for trucks will be out. Thursday evening, I think, and then example lineups will be posted around 8 p.m. Eastern uh, on Friday. Xfinity will be available Sunday morning. Once we know, actually, I'll probably be able to post example lineups probably earlier, maybe by like 12 o'clock noon Eastern. Uh, but enough with my rambling. People are here to talk or hear us talk about the Cup Series. So let's dive in. I guess we might as well start with Kyle Larson. I don't see why not. He's the defending Cup Series champion. He won like 25 to 30% of the cup races last year. He's already won half the cup races this year. Uh, and if he's not winning, he's starting on the pole like he did at Daytona. He's $11,300 on DraftKings. He wasn't, he didn't even have the best car last week and he still managed to pull out a win. Is it just like at this point you have to, if you're making 20 lineups or multiple lineups, you need to have at least Kyle Larson, probably 25% of your GPP builds. Yeah. If not higher, I mean, it's, the guy is just—he's just ridiculous right now. Um, you know, say what you will about the the incident with Chase Elliott. I fully believe that it was simply an accident. That you know, they basically tried to take up the same spot on the racetrack at the same time, and somebody to get put in the wall, right? Yeah. And then, by the way, Chase Elliott completely spinned himself on purpose for the last caution. He like if you watch the video. His hands, you can, he's wearing white racing gloves, so you can see right through the windshield what his hands do, and he completely spins himself. Um, 11-3, in all honesty, is less than I thought Kyle Larson was going to be this week on on DK. Um, it should be like 12. Yeah, I mean, the dude's got six top tens <laughs> in the last seven races here, including a win last year. He leads the field in driver rating. In the last seven races, laps led and fastest laps. He's well up there too. And keep in mind, he was only in a Hendrick car for two of those races. Um, so he's just naturally fast, man. And this this package is really going to fit his driving style. It it's just way too hard right now to get away from Kyle Larson. It just is. The, Hendrick has started off fast again. Kyle Larson is fast again. The guy is just, you just can't slow him down. No matter what kind of vehicle he's in, he's going to find a way to win. How do we feel about Joey Logano this week? Now, he won the Clash. He was kind of a chalky option for Daytona. Honestly, I had a few shares of him last week at Auto Club. I was impressed with how the car looked. I thought he looked solid. You know, he's won here twice at Vegas. Um, 10,800. I mean, again... 
I feel like this is going to be a race that Logano can go out and win, and I don't think he's going to garner a lot of ownership. I think what's going to happen is that people will either flock to Larson and pay up, or they'll just jump on the speed that Tyler Reddick showed last week, or William Byron, who yeah, I do. William Byron has been a big talk this week. <clears throat> big talk about green flag speed and how it compares. And so I'm, I'm with you. I think Logano might be a guy who falls through the cracks a little bit, which is hard to say about the third most expensive dude on the board on both sites. But now, for me, I'm going to have some of Logano basically no matter where he qualifies. But his overall percentage that I'm playing him is going to highly depend on where he qualifies. Because if he's qualifying on the pole, he's got a pretty good shot at leading a bunch of laps, which helps his uh, value. If he's qualifying, like let's say something happens, he spins out or misses qualifying or fails deck inspection or something, he can't qualify, then he's going to be chalky as all get out because he'll be starting dead last just like Kurt Busch. Last week. Um, so, you know, my strategy with Logano is I'm going to sprinkle him in just generally everywhere, but I might get a little bit more exposure to him the further up he starts. Uh, all right. So let's talk about. Can't believe we're going to gloss over JGR immediately, but I do want to talk about William Byron and Tyler Reddick. Um, do you have any concerns about the equipment? Because I know just the quantity and the availability of parts is a concern amongst the, amongst these teams. And both these guys made contact last week. Um, Reddick finished the race, albeit outside the top 20 Byron. I don't think finished the race. I mean, judging by the fact that it says he finished 34th, I'm going to assume not, but they were both incredibly fast. Tyler Reddick was just racked up uh, dominator points last week. So even though he, you know, still managed to return value on DraftKings. um, you know, the dominator points certainly helped. And Byron was very fast. There were times, as someone who was very heavy on Tyler Reddick last week, when I was watching him rack up the dominator points, but, like, Byron was giving him a lot of problems. And Byron was really fast. And here I was sitting here thinking, like, I don't have any shares of William Byron, and I know I don't certainly don't have enough shares of William Byron. So are we, are we going back to the wall here? Now that I... I think people saw how fast Reddick was last week. I think a lot of people didn't jump on him. So I think I'm more inclined to jump on Byron if the conversation comes down to these two. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you. Um, obviously, the damage to the cars is a bit concerning. But so far, the modular nature of these cars has really seemed to help teams, um, you know, get back. I mean, look at Justin Haley. went to a backup car and had himself a pretty good day uh, at, at Auto Club. You know, Kevin Harvick had to get basically the back half of his car replaced after the practice incident. He still drove it back up to seventh. Um, So I'm not terribly concerned about the part shortage right now because I think they have enough to replace the bodies on these things. Um, So I'm not that concerned about it. And then in terms of speed... um, now, keep in mind that most of these races did happen in the, you know, previous generation, and some of them happened in the ones that we're going to compare to this current car. But it's similar tracks, which is Kansas, Texas, Las Vegas, and uh, Charlotte. 
William Byron in the last 10 races ranks one, two, three, four, five, sixth in average green flag speed. He's the sixth fastest guy in green flag speed. And by the way, his green flag speed is basically right there with his teammate at Chase Elliott. Tyler Reddick, on the other hand, is a little further down. Now, obviously, RCR was not great the last couple of years. And, you know, I think everybody basically mailed it in last year knowing that the new car was coming. Um, but I think there's going to be a uh, groundswell towards Reddick. So I'm probably going to be heavier on Byron this week than Reddick. All right. I guess we can finally start touching on some of these Toyotas uh, between Joe Gibbs Racing and 23XI. Just an all-around disappointing day. Uh, yeah, I feel like even when you know Kyle Busch, Christian Rebell, when the, even when they're having bad days, you can kind of rely on Denny Hamlin, and you know he started fourth and finished fifteenth. Um, I didn't play Truex at all, and I mean I guess he had the best performance because he started, he finished right around where he started. Uh, the Kyle Busch chalk busted. I was actually pretty heavy on Bell, and he looked good in the first stage until he started having the exact same problems that Kyle Busch was having. Do we trust JGR heading into Vegas? Is this a week where they turn it around and maybe recency bias forces ownership down and these got, this team can figure it out? Kurt looked great. I'm not concerned about Kurt Busch. Guy had to work his way up through the field like two or three times, and he was awesome. Yeah. But, like, JGR – is a little worrisome following Auto Club. Yeah, I mean, in fact, I think Kurt had, like, the first speeding penalty at Auto Club in, like, I don't know, five races there or something. It's been a while since somebody got caught speeding at Auto Club. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm not concerned about Kurt Busch. Obviously, Bubba Wallace is still a liability at a lot of tracks. Um, but to me... I really don't have a problem getting back on the Kyle Busch bandwagon. Um, I don't even think I have a problem getting back on the Christopher Bell bandwagon. He hasn't been great at Vegas, but one of those was like a super weird race for him. Plus his um, price didn't even budge, really. Yeah. But right now, I'm kind of lukewarm on Denny Hamlin and Truex because they don't seem to have any clue as to how to handle this car or what adjustments need to be made uh, to them. And even when Truex figures it out, his pit crew comes back to bite him anyway. So um, it's a little tough for me to to go with Hamlin and Truex right now. Um, Kyle Busch, I think is fine. Yes, it wasn't a great showing last week, but the dude battled back from a whole litany of stuff that went wrong. Like, almost from the jump. So, um, that would be my take on on JGR+. Plus. Again, I know it's a truck. It doesn't really carry a whole lot of comparisons to the new car and whatever, but it's on track time. And Kyle Busch does better when he has more on track time. So, I'm fine with Kyle Busch. Uh, what's the read on Alex Bowman? Uh, he is the cheapest of the Hendrick Motorsports drivers, only 8,700 on DraftKings. Not a great start to the season and historically not a great racer at Vegas, as weird as it is, because it's just you know, your standard intermediate mile and a half. He's he finished fifth year in September 2020, sixth in September 2019, but those are his only top 10 finishes in 10 races. Um, any concerns? I mean, it's really hard for me to 
shy away from Bowman given the price tag. And, you know, if he qualifies top 15, I think that'll push ownership down a little bit. And I'd still want to get a piece of that pie because he he can win. I mean, I'd say he even has like a relatively decent chance at a top five. But is he a guy that you think is struggling with this car right now? Yeah, I would say so. He didn't look great at Auto Club, and that was a track that he won at the last time they raced there. Um, now, let's play a little bit of, um, you know, this or that. So the guys in the $8,000 range on DK are Kurt Busch, Alex Bowman, Kozlowski, Bell, and Austin Dillon. How many of those guys are you taking over Bowman? Hmm. Now, keep in mind, I can give you some of their track records. Kurt Busch has three top tens in the last eight races here. Bowman is two. Kozlowski is seven. Bell has one top ten in his four races. Austin Dillon has six top 15s, but only one top ten, which was in the top five. Sure, but even if we're going off course or track history, I may only look at Bush and Kozlowski over Bowman. But we're we're also like looking at Austin Dillon at eight thousand, and he finished second last week. Right, and RCR has been very fast to start the year. Yes. So, yeah, I mean that that's but that's showing what my job is, right? Like part of it is track history, and part of it is weighing how much the new car matters and whatnot. But I don't think there's that bit, that there's enough of a difference between Bowman at eighty seven hundred just because he's the cheapest Hendrick driver to convince me to go heavier on him than anybody in that range I just said. That's fair. Um, I think this is the first time in years I've actually been excited to talk about these drivers that are under eight grand. Yep. Uh, and it is because, like, the new car is leveling the play- playing field a little bit. Um, a little bit. There were nine. We were talking about this before the podcast. There were nine different teams that finished in the top ten at Auto Club last week. <laughs> right? Uh <laughs> Like, I'm looking at Eric Almarola and two, he's, he's actually, but what's that? With Larson, Austin Dillon of RCR, Eric Jones of uh, Petty GMS, Daniel Suarez of Trackhouse, Logano of Penske, Almarola finished sixth at uh, SHR, Harvick finished seventh at SHR. That's the only team that had two. Kurt Busch finished eighth, 23XI. Daniel Hemrick. Somehow finished ninth, and we'll get to him in, in a little bit. But <laughs> college racing, and then Stenhouse pulls out a top ten from JTG Doherty. Literally nine different teams in the top ten last week, and none of them were almost none of them were high high price drivers, except for a couple of guys like Logano and and Larson. Uh, Eric Almarola has finished fifth at Daytona and sixth at Auto Club to start the year. He's seventy eight hundred, and I'm not saying we need to elaborate on Eric Almarola. No, we'll save that for Phoenix next week. But at the same time, you know, we have Austin Sindrick in this 7K range. One Daytona finished 12th last week. Not great because of the negative PD. But Ross Chastain was looking fast as, you know, compared to his track house teammate Daniel Suarez. And unfortunately, he wrecked. Uh, Eric Jones was phenomenal. Uh, started second, finished third, had some dominator points to his name. You know, it's it's arguably, I think this is one of the best crew chiefs he's ever had in Ricky Stenhouse Jr. You know, like this 7K range, typically these are guys that we don't necessarily write off, but we don't see a ton of ownership on them. And that could change easily this week. We, we oh, could yeah, there's a lot of, 
There's a lot of uncommonly sexy names in this range this week. Um, it's just you gotta love what you're seeing from these. Cards. You almost can't write off anybody in this value tier, except maybe like your typical back markers. But I, yeah, mean, I mean, if you look at like Michael McDowell was even running up front late in the race. Like we we don't really talk about McDowell outside of Daytona and Talladega. Yeah, I mean Daniel Hemrick is fifty is fifty eight hundred bucks. Daniel Hemrick started inside the top ten last week, fell six laps down, <laughs> and somehow finished back in the top ten. And he was as confused about it as I am right now. And I guys, elite. A... he's elite. I'm not surprised. Okay, <laughs> like <laughs> I mean he had himself a good day in the Xfinity race too, but like. That was a wild. That was, and I'm not saying you load up on Daniel Hemrick, but like, you know, he's 5800. Ty Dillon had himself a good day last week. Justin Haley had a good day at 6100. Um, Chris Buescher looked fast until he spun it in into a wall. Um, Cole Custer Bubba finished wrecked, 11. Yeah, Bubba wrecked in like practice, right? Yeah, he's like gone as cool. Yeah, so it's like I understand Bubba only had like a a top 20 finish, but like still. What you were paying for Bubba last he week started was thirty fourth, thirty fifth, finished nineteenth. Right, like there's DFS value there, and he counted as starting thirty fourth or thirty fifth. It wasn't like he started nineteenth, started back there, and then got back to where he started. No, you mm-hmm. got like fifteen, sixteen spots of PD from him. Uh, Cole Custer finished eleventh last week, by the way. Chase Briscoe was like inside the top five at one point last week, not on a pit cycle either. No, um, so yeah. People under 8K, it's kind of loaded right now, to be honest, based off of some of the... I mean, Colleague has brought some fast race cars to the track. Justin Haley's been in, like, a rocket ship every week, um, including at at the Clash. You know, Hemrick had a pretty quick car last week. Stenhouse looked good. It, we Somehow, a car that's hard to drive is one that he has not yet crashed which is impressive. <laughs> like, Eric Jones looks like he's going to get himself a win this year with the speed that he's shown both at Daytona and um, Auto Club. So it's it's an exciting bottom half of this field here. And I mean, to be especially perfectly when you honest, like... Go ahead. I'm probably going to devote a bunch of the playbook to these guys. See, I was just thinking that because... As someone who like it just previews the truck and Xfinity race every week, I'm like, oh, I can just pull up driveraverages.com and racing reference and pull like driver rating, how many laps led they led. And like I have all this data that I can pull from from previous races. And I'm just like, ha, Matt, you don't have this luxury. But at the same time, given what we've seen with the new car, you can just pull like you ha- it's easier for you to identify value drivers because you can pretty much just look at like anybody in this six to seven K range on DraftKings and just you know cherry pick wherever you want and they're probably a good play if if what if what we think is true about this new car holds up because this is really leveling the playing field. I did I didn't think twice about playing Cole Custer that much last year just because how bad he and Chase Briscoe were. But now like they're they're looking pretty good. Honestly, I wasn't even impressed with Kevin Harvick. I understood he like started outside the top thirty, finished seventh. 
but the car didn't look that fast. I feel like he almost like it took him almost all race just to get inside the top ten. Whereas Kurt yeah, Busch, I think his was more strategy and like just he just played it safe and he just like moved up by default, like just yeah. chipped away throughout the entire race. Kurt Busch worked his way through the field like two or three times. Cole Custer, Chase Briscoe, these were guys that looked fast, and Custer had the benefit of like racing in the Xfinity series and winning that race and. You know, getting some extra on track time. Granted, can we talk wins. about how fast that car was in the Xfinity? Like it was a Stewart. It was an SHR car. <laughs> like, let's not insane. get around. Insane. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure SS like, Greenlight Racing is excited to get a win under their belt, and it helps to have the Stewart Haas affiliation. Yeah, nobody could could stop. Like he could put that thing anywhere. It was insane. Yeah. It was very good. I was underexposed to him, sadly. Um, well, like. I mean, even Austin Cindric has come in. Yeah, he hasn't looked like a rookie. He's looked no. perfect. he's looked comfortable in this series. Yeah, now he finished 12th last week, but okay. He started on the pole, led some laps. Didn't look great, but okay. Like, that's going to happen sometimes. But, like, all of these dudes under 8K, you can find a reason to play them. And that almost never happens except at Daytona. What's your read on Biffle this week, though? He's probably the only dude under 8K that, I <laughs> that I'm not interested in. Like, I just don't trust the car, man. Like, I don't know. Biffle's been out of it for a while. Now, we were talking about uh, Todd Bodine almost matching his car number. Biffle is over his car number. Biffle's 52. His car number is 44. But, I mean, that car just... They've had all sorts of issues with it so far. Um, keep coming up with some interesting paint schemes, but I don't know. I mean, if Biffle was starting dead last and I was trying to stack another above 8K driver in the lineup, maybe I'd take a shot just for some, like, he can't finish worse than last, right? right. Um, but it's it's pretty hard for me to get excited about Greg Biffle. All right, man. Uh, I know we broke down a good amount of drivers in a pretty short amount of time. I mean, we're going on 35 minutes right now. Um, are there any strategies or drivers that we may have overlooked that you may want to touch on briefly? Yeah, so for strategies, you know, like we said, not you can't necessarily take the same strategies that worked the last couple of years and, and play them right now. The cars this year are completely different than the cars you saw on track here last year. Like, for example, last year was the low, the lower horsepower, high downforce package at Vegas because they only ran the 750 at the Darlington and shorter, right? This one's got not only more horsepower, it's got less downforce, and... It's a completely different style of driving with this car. Even if, even if the the you say okay, it's got higher down, uh, you know, lower downforce and higher horsepower. Doesn't make a difference when the driving style of this car is completely different than even the 750 horsepower was last year. Um, so while we can take a little bit away from the fact that it's going to be you know a one dominator race in almost all likelihood um maybe two um can't necessarily just bank on it being you know oh this guy's gonna get out to the lead and it's gonna be hard to pass because that's not the case with these cars there's gonna be quite a bit of passing 
Um, you should expect several cautions for spins, which is different than what we normally see here. Um, so I would say take kind of the same approach we took at Auto Club last week. Um, now, there's more laps this week than there were last week. There's 267 this week um, compared to 200 last week. But it's kind of the same the same principle. Usually there's one dominator here. Try for two in case caution split up the field a little bit. Um, but that's kind of the general kind of look at it like last week. All right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Uh, love it. I love these. I love when we get all three series in the same weekend. And it looks like we're getting that for the next few weeks, actually. Uh, but, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you, and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.